said banana, banana. Hello, hello, hello. This is uh, Luke Franson, the host of the End of the Rainbow, to which you are listening today. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> I need like really a, a standard, um, a standard intro. Anyway, I'm here with my co-host Luke Glyke, and we actually do not hello. have. Tanoine Graves with us today. Um, he is. He's moved on. He's moved um, on. He's in a better place. In the, well, yes, hopefully, hopefully. But anything's better than Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually um, he's actually in Shelby County. Um, well, I shouldn't like give away his address. Oh shoot. Uh, <laughs> no, he's at home today. He's he's got some congestion, and we told him uh, during Rona season to go ahead and uh, don't come. So, but he's actually listening to us. Um, he'll be kind of um, sending in some questions um, to Lucas, and Lucas will be checking over that throughout the show. So yeah. Tanner's not here, but um, he's going to be participating as best we can. Um, today, we do have a special guest. Uh, Tanner says, hello, all. Great <laughs> <laughs> contribution. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, uh, we do have a special guest today. Um, for approaching um, prejudice, racism, um, interracial couples, stuff like that. Pretty much, um, you know us, uh, we'll just attack any topic, talk about anything, um, unless we're qualified to do it. And then it's just no fun. Yeah, we won't do that. Certainly not. Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. um, Lucas, do you want to introduce our guest? Uh, Yes, uh, she is the... Wonderful, uh, the amazing. I'm not going to list all the adjectives. Boo. Uh, um, she's black. Um, oh, uh, and my fiance, uh, Diani. Yeah, so this is Lucas's uh, fiance, Diani. Um, and she's black. And for those of you who don't know, Lucas is white. I am not black. He is not black. Um, what would you identify your heritage as? Uh, I'm Dutch, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm mostly Dutch. I really don't care. You're tall. Yeah. yeah. I, it tall doesn't matter. Me. It was like 200 years ago for me, and like, I don't know, the Dutch people weren't always the best people. Like, sure, they found the Hudson River, but they also caused a apartheid in South Africa, so. It did happen. Yeah. Carved so, up uh, Africa like it was a pie. Yeah. So, um, I don't really worry about my heritage too much, or... or place an emphasis on it. I think uh, your it's family's good. been in Chicago for a few generations. So. Yeah, my um, my grandma, who is 85, I believe. What'd you call her? Did you call her Mima, Nana? No, just Grandma. 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 <laughs> I'm not from Indiana, so That's it's, such it's a grandma. Chicago thing, dude. Around here in Indiana. <laughs> Mima! Uh, we got the Nana. So here's... Papa. Kylie's got two, uh, two sides of grandparents, right? Yeah. And she's got Papa John and Papa Bill, <laughs> right? Because they both want to go by Papa. And then she's got Mama, right? But you don't have to say Mama, um, Sites or whatever, because the other one is Nana. <laughs> we have Nana though. Like we have Nana and Granny, and then just Grandma. Like we don't have like. But Nina you don't. It's not. Papa it's not Nana. It's Nana Bibi. Nana. Oh, sorry. That's what she wanted to be called. No, but sometimes, like, if she's trying to talk about a particular couple, she'll be like, oh, no, no, not Mama and Papa, Nana and Papa. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I wonder what I'll go by. It doesn't matter. Tanner says, Tanner says, I say Faja when referring to my dad from Austin Powers. Um, a uh, gold member, a uh, gold member from the third Austin Powers movie was Dutch. He was a, 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 a Dutch gold metallurgist who made his dong gold. That's why his name was Gold Member. Hmm. And he says Faja. So I guess witty, uh, witty commentary from Tanner. Or not. I was <laughs> 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 quite sure. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, you guys have been together for a while. Yes. yes, since our freshman year of high school, um, I we are now going into, well, we're finishing up our junior year of college now. That would be six uh, years. About six years, yeah. Yes. Okay, so in my high school, we had less than 10 black kids in my graduating class. Seriously? Yeah, right around there. Um, 
pretty bad. So, what was the racial diversity like? I would say it was pretty diverse. Like, we had the, what's it called, the geographic lines. So, they tried to pull kids from every different neighborhood. So, the neighborhood I grew up in is predominantly black. Like, I think there's, like, four white people in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And then there was Robbins, which is considered Chicago. And then all the other neighborhoods were mostly, like, white neighborhoods. So, So a lot of... Okay. Um... Uh, that now, yeah, our the schools in our district pulled from different portions. Uh, the closest school that actually uh, was closest to Diani was um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, which was like five minutes away. I've heard of him. Yeah, um, it? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So, so the schools go: Alan B. Shepard, uh, first man in I like not a, heard of him. he's the first man in like a space shuttle for the U.S. to return. Um, astronaut. Astronaut, yeah. So not a space shuttle, that. but like a... Um, Look, I just, I'll just say... Orbiter, it. whatever it is. I'm not impressed by astronauts. They didn't build the thing. No. <laughs> I'm but, sorry, that's not but true. Get this, astronauts get this. are American heroes. So it goes, Alan B. Shepard. Alan B. Shepard, right? Yeah. Alan B. Shepard, astronaut. Yeah. Dwight D. Eisenhower, general and a president. Yeah. And then there's Harold L. Richards, was just, he was the district administrator. <laughs> hey, man, maybe he made a big impact. Or, you know what? Harold L. Richards has no windows. Bro, if you're the district administrator, you just do what you want. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's your district. Yeah. Slot my name on it. Yeah. Might as well. Um, But a lot of the schools, they were pretty diverse. I would say the only one that... Well, no, I would say they were all pretty diverse. Yeah. Um, The only one that I could think of... Yeah, the only one that I could think of that probably was a little bit more... um, The majority of the kids was probably uh, Eisenhower. Which was a predominantly like Latino community. Yeah, Latino community. Yeah. Um, but, How do you feel like even that though, impacted um, your cultural expectations as far as dating? It was a shock to me because I came from a predominantly black Christian school, and then going into a school where I actually like had to interact with people other than people who were black was definitely different. Um, Relationship-wise, I was like, okay, well. We'll see how this goes, because in middle school, like, you really don't count those as relationships. How many kids were in your middle school? Oh, I had a graduating class of 13. And from your middle school? Yeah. And there were only four boys, and the rest wow. were girls. So. Slim yep. pickings. Yep. Yeah. So that's how you ended up with Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I was the best out of the batch, I guess. <laughs> hey, man. Sometimes nobody else shows up, and you win by default, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. But definitely, like, going from that school to Shepherd, which is, like, really diverse, I kind of was, like, a culture shock, really, because I just didn't, like, I was never around people who weren't black, so it was very different to see people from different, like, cultures. Like what? So, so you were never around anybody who, so you weren't, you didn't really interact with white people or even, like, the Latino population or anything like that, so... Here you are about to marry a white man. Um, was that was that difficult? Yeah. Starting to <laughs> starting to date a white boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was definitely different because the first thing I had to do is like I want you to learn about my culture, and the first thing we could say like well, I want you to learn about my culture, and I was like well I, I kind of already know about your culture like I don't know what else there is to learn yeah and there's definitely like a what's a good word for it it was a learning curve of just like learning about seems like kind of a double standard yeah yeah okay yeah so that's interesting Mm -hmm. so what what exactly was there to learn well he had to learn that um one we don't leave our doors open because in his neighborhood they leave all their doors open their cars unlocked and then like come in my neighborhood like we lock everything you have like he had to take me home at a certain time at night because we couldn't be out late. Um, is um, that is that race-specific, or do you think that has to do more with socioeconomic status? Definitely socioeconomic. Okay. Race-wise, just going out in public and stuff, like, because there was pr- bl- uh, police brutality at this time. At so, that time, though, not any other time. Well... <laughs> Don't worry, guys. <laughs> it's over. It was only once. Yeah. It only happened once. But, like, it didn't, like, blow up like it is now in the media. Like, it was just, like, smaller instances, you know? Like, it was brought up on the news, but it wasn't blown up like how it was starting in, like, 2020. 
Yeah. Because people didn't record it. Yeah. Okay. So there was those instances. Oh, but, like, that was a reality that you grew up with. Yeah. As a young black girl, like, yeah. police brutality was always floating around your sphere. Yeah. Especially sure. around Chicago, um, where it is more densely populated. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just, like, being more aware of those things, like, I would always yell at him, like, hey, slow down, slow down, when he was driving, because I was afraid he'd get pull- pulled over by the police a lot, and, like, that I would be the one that would get arrested, and that was a very real reality for me in our relationship. Have you ever been arrested? No, I'm absolutely terrified. Do you drive the speed limit? Yes. God help you. <laughs> um, Lucas, so, driving slower with Diani in the car. Um... I, that wasn't a question. I just said something. But go ahead and respond. <laughs> no, I mean, like, what, what do you what do you what do you want to say? Like, I don't know. I was just anything. The thoughts on that? Like, were you were you? Um, I, I don't know. Did you start driving slower, or did she still? I, I still freak out. Still no, you out still freak out. Like, I'm only like I don't. I will say that reality is more real here in Indiana yeah. than it is in Chicago. Though. Yeah. Um, I will say that I'm more alert now uh, on the roads in Indiana. I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder when I'm in a car. Um, I, you never know where the police are going to hide. I don't have a radar detector like a lot of people in Indiana do, so I can't... Well, they're legal here and yeah, not in it, Illinois. They're not in Illinois, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> um, you know what we care about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like I didn't understand it at first. And then um, as I kind of gained... Um, I would just say more perspective, like, just outside of myself and actually, like, trying to understand and see the world from, from your perspective. Um, so, Diani um, said something earlier um, that she felt like she didn't really need to learn about your culture or your yeah. background. Yeah. Um, to me, that seems a little bit unfair. But why, why say that? Do you stand behind that? Are you... I think it's a little different now. I mean, he said that, and he still doesn't know much about his Dutch heritage, even to Well, maybe day. not his Dutch heritage, but, you know... Um, I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty good, pretty good grasp on white history. Like, I, in school, like, we learn... Does my, that make sense? Yeah. No. Explain it. Even if it does make sense, um, I think it's worth talking about. Uh, yeah. So... A lot of the history books, um, well, history is written by the victors. The victor. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, uh, in any kind of situation, so say the history of America, um, we like to think that you can read that. We like to think that um, the white man settled it, like we're the ones who built it up from the ground. Um, you know, the. That, that the Europeans came over and they, they I don't know, like... Um, committed genocide. Co- well, yes, committed genocide, but, like, that's... Okay, all right. Growing up, like, we had Columbus Day off, and, like, we're like, yeah, Columbus Day, but... He came it's over a, and... It's that one office quote. Yeah. <laughs> we're taking Columbus Day off, and you know Columbus and his legions committed gen- genocide. What does Andrew Bernard say? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> awful terrible terrible um so you feel like the history that you learned in school was a white man's history yes even though um we learned about figures like frederick Douglass, Mm -hmm. um other i I don't know we're about to put harriet tubman on some of our currency yeah Yeah. um we talk through um major empires of the world you look at the islamic empire Mm -hmm. and then the mongolian empire and then the Roman Empire. That was my experience yeah. by landmass and total control. Now, I will say that I didn't learn um, more of that like, broad kind of like world history until I got to college. Um, we had basic American history. Yeah, in high school. we only talked yeah. about like, black people during February, which was Black History Month. Or when we discussed slavery. That yeah. was about it. Did you Even talk about the Freemason origins of the United States? No. Nope. nope. Uh, see, I will say that's a big white man history yeah, that's yeah. annoyed. Um, but we'll leave Freemasonry for another episode. What are we up to right now? We got to do um, uh, yeah, Game of Girl, Girl Bathwater. Bathwater, and then, yeah. And then uh, yeah. Freemasons. We'll talk about Woo! Freemasons. That would be a good one. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I would be excited for that one. Um, 
so but yeah, I never learned about the the Ottoman Empire. Um, I will say though, if you miss the Freemasonry um, in in the American history, I don't know if it's so much as a racial divide as a um, glossing over the ugly bits in favor of propaganda. It, honestly, yeah, um, that's what would it be. You know, if we don't talk about the the struggles, if we don't talk about all of these influences that have um, come together and made this nation, I, I think it's it might not be so much as white man's history, but just the historian's history. I mean, yeah. if the people you, who write it, yeah, the people, the writers, you know. I and, think that's more fair. Yeah. And so I look at like the history of Christianity, right? Uh, Constantinople, um, Constantinople the Great, or uh, <laughs> Constantine. Right, the when he when Constantine like did his thing, you know, and and made Christianity a state-sponsored religion. Yeah, uh, we always read that as a positive thing at like our first glance, right? Yeah. Um, That's what I was taught. Yeah. Well, w- what happened to the dissenting voices? They were just silenced. Mm-hmm. And so, if anybody said, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't have a bunch of Freemasons running the country," they were just silenced. Yeah. Sure. yeah, you know, and so so I'm not sure as much as um, I I guess I would offer that even though they are predominantly white, maybe it's not their it's whiteness. Not, no, that, it's not. It's not completely fair. And I no, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it's the people who who have recorded that history and who have um, wrote that down. Um, and if we want to, Tanner did ask a question. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll wait on it. So. Um, but yeah, I, predominantly, like you're saying, uh, it usually is uh, some kind of like white person, white heritage, whatever you want to call it, that will record their history, write that down, and then that's what we've kind of been passed down. But and the dissenting yeah. voices are silenced. Yeah, and that's usually just how it works, you know. It's it's always funny when people think like cancel culture is real now, um, <laughs> when we've been silencing dissenting voices. Yeah, you know, Constantine was around what in the fourth century. 1700 years ago and you want to talk about how bad cancel culture is in the 21st um uh it's fine talk about the spanish inquisition yeah yeah really um oh gosh or all the crusades uh, <laughs> so I, I i will say um stripping white people of their heritage i think also does a disservice uh, I had trouble as, as a young white man trying to find my own cultural place um, because you read a lot of history and um, the European imperialists yeah. more often than not were the bad guys. Yeah. Um, and, and too, like you think about what country used a nuclear weapon in warfare, the United States. Yeah. Um, what country... Uh, carved up Africa. Well, it was all of the European countries. Um, what countries kind of pitted the Native Americans against each other and all that? It was France and England, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, how do you find your own heritage? Within how do I find my own heritage when I'm always the bad guy? Yeah. Um, and it and it is... Um, I don't know. It's I, I feel like it's it's kind of an unspoken struggle of a lot of white people because we feel like our heritage is one of uh, villainy. So um, my solution to that was um, getting involved in like the Highland Games. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the one where you throw like the light bulbs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 the Cambridge toss. Um, you know, but like a lot of that Irish, um, Scottish festival, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's really fun to me. You know, I, I do have a lot of Scottish and Irish roots in my family. Yeah. Um, even my dad's side's from Chicago as well. Uh-huh. But the Irish side of Chicago, not the Italian. <laughs> and so um, getting more in touch with um, Irish tradition, I think, is helpful. And so when we do talk, um, you know, it's even our kids and we say, like, hey, we're white. You know, that doesn't quite do it. You know, I, I mean, what's... What's white? Yeah. Yeah. And and in the same way, what's black? And yeah. these words mean different things to different people. And kind of parsing out what it means to you um, and what it means for you. 
I think it is the key to giving us some sort of basis for um, handling our own heritage. So that's that's my my only yeah. Um, this that's is, my monologue. This is related. Uh, Tanner asked, "Does Diani have a good understanding of her heritage?" Yes, and that was the next question. Yeah. So, like, you know, I can say white. Okay, what am I? I'm Irish. Um, I can like yeah. You can trace yourself back to Ireland. I can trace myself, my family back to uh, the Netherlands. Um, and Diani, I cannot do that. Um, so that's actually a big thing. With black people, like, I identify, like, with my culture and things I've grown up around, mm-hmm. but as far as, like, lineage and heritage, I cannot trace my heritage all the way back because we were brought over as slaves. Like, I can't even tell you what part of Af- Africa I'm from. Like, right, right. I just don't know. I, You're just and, not sure. Yeah, and, and so, that bothers me a lot, actually, because I, I would like to know. Like, I know there's, like, a little bit of Irish in my family, but... Well, there's about to be some Dutch, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... With that, um, the moniker of African-American, how do you feel about that? I don't think I'm African-American. I don't really know if I can say that I'm African-American. Like, I really just say I'm black. Because I don't even know, like, if I'm actually, like, from Africa. Or, like, well, obviously I'm from Africa, like, skin color-wise. But, like... At some point along the way, yeah. I think that got lost, though, like... I can't really say, like, I'm African-American because there's actual people in America who are actually from Africa who identify as African-American. Right, right. So I just, it's kind of hard to find that balance right now. And so so African-American is is falling by the wayside and black is becoming accepted. Right. um, Because that's that's the only cultural root you have left. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So what does that cultural root look like for you? Honestly, not that like you're defining blackness for everybody, yeah, <laughs> right? Because again, um, these races are floating signifiers. They can they're meaning different things to different people, right? Okay. I guess like for me, like that cultural root comes from like just the food I ate growing up, or just like who I grew up around in my community. So big thing for me, like soul food. Do you know what soul food is? Well, even if I did, I would ask you. Okay, so soul food is basically like a staple in the black community it's just a mixture of like fried chicken and like greens do you know what greens are like turnip greens greens yeah. do you know what greens are <laughs> greens. <laughs> <laughs> why do you call them greens diani because they're green <laughs> and they're like soaked with like a turkey bone leg or something like that it, they're actually really good I, a turkey really bone leg turkey bone yeah turkey leg bone it's turkey like, leg bone yeah, yeah. Turkey it's bone leg. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like turnip oh, and leg. stuff like that. <laughs> Cornbread. Like, even okay. all that stuff that's like stereotypical, like that is actual soul food that, though. And it's like really good. And so I, I identify with the food. I like the uh, Food is, is intrinsic to culture. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, when you talk about like Irish festivals, what are you going to go? You're going to go for the food. Right. Uh, so. But so, so the food's important. But what other aspects kind of um, are with it? Not not necessarily food, um, but like behavioral expectations, family expectations. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, behavioral expectations, I'm expected to get a good education and just make it farther than the rest of my family. Make it farther than the rest of your family. Yeah. So to constantly have to out-achieve the earlier generation. I'm held to a standard where I have to be successful because the people before me weren't as successful. They didn't have those opportunities. Um, um, a big thing was like I can't like have the standard as ghetto in my family. I have to be articulate. I have to make sure that I'm properly presenting myself within my community. Like being that different. So being articulate. Yes. Um, what is, what is, so you're implying that every other black person is inarticulate? Just to clarify. No. <laughs> <laughs> Some broad sweeping claims here from the No, so my mom, I would get made fun of a lot actually in school, in middle school and in high school because I didn't talk like the rest of the black people. And I would literally go home crying because my, I would ask my mom like, why, like, do I get made fun of for this? Like, I thought I talked normally. And she would always say, no, you use your teeth and your tongue to talk. Just because you don't look, use slang doesn't mean you're different from them. 
So, like, I was always raised to be articulate and not, like, use slang words and, like, just be lazy with how you know, I talk. language also changes with culture. Language changes, um, you know, I, I mean, if you think about, um, I, I keep using uh, Christian examples, but, like, I saw it. Uh, if you think about church, you know, um, for the first 200 years, church always referred to people. Mm-hmm. And now you say go to church in reference to a building. Yep. And so these languages, um, they change based on, on who uses them. Yep. You know, so um, something, my mom's an English teacher, and she, something she'll always say is what's incorrect now becomes standard 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Is there a book about that? I Probably. Like Frindle, it's like with the pen. I don't know. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hated that book. Stupid. <laughs> it was dumb. So, um, yeah, and the, the big twist at the end is the teacher's the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of book is that? Yeah, give me a villain, dude. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so, um, with <laughs> that's all to say that um, talking more, uh, honestly, white... Um, felt proper to you and your family? Not necessarily talking white, but just like talking like I was a business person. But to my classmates and my peers, I was talking like a white person. Does that make sense? So so to the black community around you, you were talking like a white person. Yes. Because you hit your consonants. Pretty much. In a different way. Pretty much. Which honestly does... I th- Honestly, that makes it a little bit of sense to me. You know, different yeah. people will say different things in English. And, um, you know, from our language, it is, um, it does impact the way that we speak in other languages. I can't roll my R's. I, I, I sound like a foolish child when I try to speak Spanish, right? Um, because English is just all this garbled mess of soft consonants. Yeah. Like uh, all the sh sounds that we have. <laughs> oh my God. And so because of that, I, I'm a clumsy Spanish or speaker. Worcestershire sauce. No, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Worcestershire? <laughs> you wanna, that's how you say that? <laughs> um, and so, so with that, though, uh, with, do, you, do you feel pressured um, to not speak like the black community that you grew up around? Yeah, for sure definitely my mom would always like if we did talk like that she would like correct us like stop talking like that like talk properly because she didn't want to talk us, properly yeah she didn't want okay. us to like talk that way because she said you knew how to talk you know how to articulate like per- articulate your words like don't talk like that you know articulating your words um i think can be a good thing i used to be a mumbler um as still a child, are sometimes. still are sometimes. I'm a mumbler too. I, I try to hit my consonants though. Uh, I try to enunciate, talk from the diaphragm, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I can mumble. I um, to mumble once or twice. And so I guess my question is: Is this an instance of your mom telling you not to mumble, or is this an instance of your mom forcing you to act a certain way? Because you said you got made fun of for talking white by your black peers. And now here you are, too, engaged to a white man. Um, what kind of pushback has all of this, I, either pushback from the black community or confusion within yourself about your racial identity? I don't know. Um, I do know. Sorry. It's bad. <laughs> um, I don't know. I do know. <laughs> I guess, like, my whole life, I never really felt like I fit in. Like, I felt like I was, like, not black enough for the black community, but not, like, white enough for the white community. So I always felt like I was in that in-between, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I still don't know what to do with myself. Like, sometimes, even in college, like, I found more black friends. But even then, like, I'm not black enough for the black community there, you know? So, I guess... What does black enough mean? So, <laughs> I, the best way to, like, understand it is, like, I don't talk the way they do. I don't listen to the same things they do. Like, I got made fun of for listening to Demi Lovato a lot. Or just like I'm not. I would make fun of you as well. Okay, understandable. <laughs> <laughs> or like Justin Bieber and stuff like that. Like I again. <laughs> I guess like even in when my Christian school, like I was the token Oreo because I didn't listen to what they listened to. Because like I like rap music, but I don't like all rap music. I think some of it is 
trash. And, like, I know that's a hot take, but it's true. Like, it's not. Well, you know, in, in any genre, I think there's good music and bad music. Yeah. Um, you know, so people will ask me about my music tastes, and... Um, <laughs> you don't really have one? <laughs> I, I, I'm quite eclectic. Um, and, yeah, so it's because... I, a genre to me, I think, is a tool of the artist to accomplish something. Yeah. Um, I don't think a genre can be taken as good or bad without an artist. You know, I think some people use the jazz genre uh, horribly. They use yeah. it as an excuse to just play the wrong notes. <laughs> play the right notes! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think some use the jazz genre... Um, Spectacularly, uh, Miles Davis um, is one of my favorite jazz guitarists. Uh, hugely influential musician, fantastic. Tanner um, says Luke has good taste in music. Thanks, Tan man. Um, I do send Tanner some songs every now and again uh, because, again, uh, good music is good music, bad music is bad music. It doesn't matter what genre it's in. However, um, you tend to shy away from genres that are what expected of you to like pretty much yeah i i like everything like i like only thing i don't like is metal but i like everything we can work on that yeah <laughs> we've been getting there <laughs> um, but like in school when i'd listen to things like justin bieber or demi lovato or even when i listen to like alternative music like i, I got made fun of what kind of alternative music natural um Imagine Dragons count as alternative music. No, um, no, <laughs> Imagine Dragons does not count as alternative or, music. Then what would you categorize that as? Pop. Oh. Yeah. Or what's it called? Awala Nation? Uh, Awala Nation? <laughs> I was a Nation. Sorry. Hey, hey, that's all right, that's all right. She was a kid. Um, I guess, I guess Imagine Dragons is almost alternative. Yeah. When they first came out, I yeah, guess. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit too mainstream. Now I think they mm-hmm. definitely got more poppy, but yeah. again, um, at least not the black eyed peas. Gosh, that kind of brings up the question: <laughs> Is assigning a genre the task of the creator or the listener? Um, and is debating about genres even worth anything? So um, those are just questions I'll kind of yeah. just let sit because I I don't think like it is. Um, yeah. You know, we can fight about what's jazz and what's not jazz. Um, all day and I did uh, in a jazz class I took in my undergrad <laughs> um, I always got points taken off from the professor wow yeah because I would always I, I used to like I would gatekeep jazz <laughs> you were the gatekeeper for all things jazz well and okay so I would put together some well structured arguments yeah. too about like Gosh. why pieces were not jazz um, aspects of jazz oh, that they were lacking or um like fundamental music lineage that like you can't just do <laughs> country music your entire life and write one almost jazz tune and call it jazz and call it jazz yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's just kind of jazzy country from there stop um, <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's kind of an aside so back to your racial identity yes. um Diani. you feel too white to be black but too black to be white yes big struggle um and that was like a big thing when we first started dating like when we first started dating we were the talk of the school and all we did was hold hands in a hallway and the whole school just like erupted like oh my gosh you guys are dating oh my gosh you guys are dating why because it was a first i think we were like the first interracial couple in that school probably probably even though it was so diverse like so what barriers to dating um would, would an interracial couple face i mean like why why was it such a big deal why so for me i got a lot of questions of oh my gosh your mom would let you date a white man like my mom would never or i would get the why do you think that's true why do i think that's true why why do you think their mama would never i don't know my mom never raised me that way she told me to just like look at people based off their heart and personality right but you grew up in the black community I never grew up where they told me I couldn't date a white man, though. Even in, like, middle school, I told them, like, oh, well, I would date a white man. One of your teachers man. did. Yeah, yeah, and she literally pulled me aside and told me, you cannot date a white man. You need to keep up with your heritage and, like, with black people and, like, finish that whole thing out. Do you think there's some value to that? You know, because your heritage has been something that's stripped from you 
you know, and I can say as much as I, I want that my heritage um, is tainted by the villainy of the white man. But in the same way, I still go to Irish festivals and do, like, traditions that have been around for a thousand years. Yeah. Um, you don't have that. Yeah. So do you think there's value in trying to preserve and create your own cultural tradition when it's been so taken from you um, yeah. a few hundred years ago? Do you, like, I don't know, just to, just to say that, like, maybe there is maybe something in there holds water, you know? I mean, I do think there is value, but I think telling your child that they can never date a white man is just kind of aggressive, really, and just telling them, like, you have to date this specific race. Um, I do think there is value in, like, dating someone within your same culture so you can preserve that heritage, you know, but I just don't like the idea of telling them, you can never bring this white man home, you know? Yeah. I just... What about you, Lucas? You brought a black girl home. Um, Your mom had some apprehensions about it. She, yeah, she did, but not in the terms of, like, she was more so worried about how I would be viewed, um, as, uh, you know, um, the way that she put it, she said, there's gonna be a lot of pushback from society, um, for being in a relationship. Have you found that to be true? Um, not as much as, you know, You're not married yet. Not married yet. Um, but in our relationship so far, I haven't found that to be nearly true. Do you think it's easier being an interracial couple now than 30 years ago? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. What, why? Why do you think, what contributes to that? I mean, when we would go to the mall, like, we would just get stares. Like, no one would, like, approach us and say anything, but they would just, like, stare at us the entire time we would walk through the mall. I feel like 30 years ago, I'd probably get approached and get called some type of racial slur or get called out because of it, you know? You would get called some kind of racial slur because you were with Lucas. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what's it called? It's kind of aggressive, but I've definitely, like, known other interracial couples, especially, like, this one celebrity who's dating a white man and she got called the white man's whore. And I would definitely get called that. Probably from a white person and a black person because it goes both ways with interracial couples. Like, it's no, what not, do you mean it goes both ways? The pushback. The pushback comes yeah. from both directions. Yeah. And I just... So what do you do about that? I don't know. <laughs> what did we do? We didn't really do anything. I kind of just, like, when that girl told me that, like, I can't believe your mom will let you date that a white man, I kind of just explained to her, like, my mom doesn't really care that I'm dating a white man. She just cares about my happiness and like she wants me to make sure I'm dating a good person rather than someone based off of their skin color. Um, she just like laughed at me and walked away and said okay. Um, and then they're kind of just want this rumor going around of just like, oh, Diani has preferences. She only likes white men. And it's like, no, Diani doesn't have a preference. I just happened to date Lucas and it just happened to stick, you know? Like I would date a black man. I would date any other man. Like. That's okay. But. Do you hear that, Lucas? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, to me, that seems like a weird thing to say. <laughs> As when she's betrothed to yeah. be married. It's like my wife saying, like, hey, does anybody want to go on a date? Uh, what? Um, <laughs> nope. Well, now I'm getting married, so that's not, that doesn't hold true anymore, but back then I would. Back then. Back um, then. So if, if you didn't. Years ago. <laughs> Um, that goes back to um, this idea, too, that people have to somehow prove their preferences. Yeah. Um, that, like, yeah. people <laughs> felt like you preferred white people um, because of Lucas and uh, the whole engaged to be married thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole thing. Um, I think it is ridiculous um, that you are assumed to have that preference until proven otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that's a lot of, um, not even just talking about uh, racial um, discrimination and equality, but um, even sexual preferences. Yeah. Um, like that you have to somehow back up your sexual preference <laughs> uh, to prove it to people. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's um, it's backwards. Yeah. And so uh, what I'm hearing too is a lot of your response was a non-response where you just went on living your life. Um, I was like 
14 at the time, so I didn't really know what to do or say at this point. I also was super quiet. So you were you were 14 then, um, and you're not quite in reserve now, or I'm not quite as reserved now. I definitely would have spoken up more for myself than what I did in high school. Not even just like about our relationship. Like we can talk more about that later on in the podcast. But there's definitely some stuff like that was said to me that I didn't say anything about. I just was like nodded my head and kept to myself because I didn't want to cause any like trouble. Okay. Yeah. And no. and so why why avoid trouble then? Do you feel like it was a pressure of society, your parents? You just you were quiet. I I think it was the pressure of society. Like I didn't want to come off as like the aggressive black woman for like standing up for herself. Yeah. And like I just was now like, I will say that's not necessarily um, a racial divide as much as it is. Um, a gender-based divide Mm -hmm. you know a a man when he's bold and loud becomes a leader um but a woman uh, is a nagging annoying yeah yeah and and so um that's kind of too it comes from our our gender expectations um as well Mm -hmm. which i'll say you know maybe the racial expectations absolutely did have a part of it um but I think you did kind of hit that one-two punch there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lucas, I'd like to hear from you about pushback um, or attitude shifts even. What was um, the change of your life, um, both from dating Diani and then talking about engagement and spending the rest of your life with her? Um I'll kind of start off with uh, the engagement as that's more um, prominent in our life now, I guess. Um, One year away. Yeah. Um, I, I realized, like, we, we've talked about this before, Diani and I have, where uh, all, all throughout our family, family lineage, after we have kids, I don't know how long that'll be. It could be 20 years, 20, 40, I don't know. Um, uh, where we have kids, they'll always be uh, black. They'll always have some uh, what some percentage, some type of yeah. drop of black blood. Basically. Yeah. Um, and so they'll always have to deal with that, even if they're mixed. Um, and that's it's it's they'll have to deal with being black. Honestly, yeah, black in America. Um, just oh, black in society. That's even. a that's a big little two words you put uh, in there. <laughs> black in America. <laughs> black in America. Word, um, <laughs> black, black in society. In America. Yeah. Um, we'll get to this in a second. Yeah. Uh, but I do just want to say that we'll come back to black in America. Yeah. Um, so but, this is a consequence not just for you. But yeah, but for, for your children. For my children. So um, do you feel like you are putting your children at a disadvantage by marrying a black woman instead of a white woman? Um, honestly, as shitty as it sounds, yes. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I got him to say it. <laughs> no, I really do. I really do. Um, That's a pretty loaded question, man. <laughs> yeah. He was he was wincing, waiting for my response. Oh man, that one but, hurt. But yeah, no, but it's true. Um, you think about not I can't only, breathe. <laughs> you think about not only the wage gap between the, the 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 real wage gap that there is between men and women, but you look at the wage gap between white men versus like black Tanner, men. Tanner just sent him. Luke what is an asshole. Luke is an asshole. <laughs> um, but. There, there is. There's a lot of socioeconomic stress that comes with it. Um, the the disparages, the disparities between um, education, education, wages, pay, um, um, getting passed over for promotions. Yeah, um, all these little things that that people uh, will say that's like not there, but are but is there. Yeah. Um, so the 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 common adage, I don't know if it's an adage, but uh, where it says. Despite making up thirty percent of the population, uh, black people are responsible for like seventy seventy percent of the crime. Yeah. But what that does that fails to ignore the the uh, that fails to ignore. And sorry, that fails to address the <laughs> that fails to address the racism um, that is From probably the justice system. Yeah, that yeah. is probably involved in those those seventy percent. Absolutely. Of, of I mean, if you are cherry picking who you arrest 
of course, thirty percent of the population is responsible for seventy yeah. percent of the crime. Yep. Yeah. Um, the crime. I mean, you cannot say that thirty percent of the population is is rep, is responsible for seventy um, percent of the moral bad. Yeah. Um, you have to say crime mm-hmm. because morality and legality are are two very separate things, and policing them, right? Um, yeah. You cannot police morality. You can police legality. And so when 30% of your population is representing 70% of your legal policing, I think that is not a justification for racism, but evidence of racism Yeah, um, is what I will say. Yeah. And so um, if you want things to talk about uh, for our listeners, something that is... Um, at least, you know, important to me, um, my mom teaches in a very diverse school, um, and so it was important to her, and talking to her, um, it became important to me. It's the school-to-prison pipeline, uh-huh. yeah. and it's a, it's a reality for so many yeah. um, underprivileged um, and, and racially diverse people, yeah. and so... Um, Quoting crime statistics, I think, uh, paints with broad strokes a colored pencil colored by number yeah. um, sheet. Yeah. And so I'm actually glad that we did get to crime statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did want to say that and address <laughs> that. Um, Tanner had a question a while ago. Um He's got a passcode like he's still in high school. <laughs> Can't use face ID with mask on. Um, did all of this put stress on your relationship? So so the, the very fact that you're an interracial couple, did that stress your relationship? And then how so? And then what did you do about it? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't felt like our relationship has been stressed um, oh geez now here we go we can drive a wedge in right now <laughs> Gianni do you um, agree honestly I do like, oh dang it <laughs> with, with what we've I mean again it might be so different when we're married um I don't think it drove a wedge because we were on the same page. Like, if we were on two different pages, it would definitely be different. What do you mean by that? Like, if I was, like, the police system is fucked up and, like, it's racist and it was built on, like, racist foundations. He was like, well, I don't necessarily agree. I don't think police are targeting black people. Then I... Honestly, we have a big (laughs) fight going on there. Yeah. 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 Um, Lucas, do you feel like that's something... Like the, the the racial inequality of the justice system, um, that's something you've accepted from a young age. Uh, honestly, yeah. Uh, I watched. I remember uh, watching uh, the documentary, The Thirteenth Amendment. I think it was just called The Thirteenth. The Thirteenth, yeah. Yeah, uh, in my sophomore year of high school, um, and learning about like uh, the war on drugs in the eighties. Um, uh, yes, and the war on drugs and how it was all targeted towards the black people. Um, but but also learning about how, and I've, I've been reading some more stuff on this, uh, Gary Webb, uh, I don't know the, the veracity of his claims, but um, I remember reading some things that the CIA was also involved in um, smuggling in cocaine, drugs, whatever, crack, into America, was involved in that um, to kind of... They were in bed with those cartels, whatever, uh, to get money from them. I'm not sure the the full picture on that, but then those drugs then being distributed into those communities. Um, I probably have to go back and watch it, but but from a young age, um, I did accept that. I realized it. Um, I would say that I I didn't have much pushback to it because I wasn't raised in such a way. It was like where. I viewed, um, I guess, the justice system as, like, completely equal. Because um, I will say, uh, I wasn't dirt poor by any means growing up, but we were poor. Yeah. Um, we had to go to the food pantry plenty of times. Um, 
so I had that kind of appreciation for uh, you know the other side of that coin like I wasn't living in like middle class like white suburbia right right um, and I mean you can even talk about your grandpa oh absolutely uh, yeah, yeah I was gonna bring him up um, yeah. you know my grandfather um, I, I've been talking a lot about my mom on this podcast <laughs> um, no I love my mom she's, she's actually though um, what nobody will like ever like guess about my mom is she's a first generation college student from a very poor family um and so you know her dad my grandfather um actually it's 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 funny um she tells me about the cars that they used to have because he always used to go to the junkyard and get them <laughs> or or he'd just pick them up in the weirdest places and this man um, on the side of the road I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you joke about it, but he actually drove around an old mail truck. <laughs> yeah, like that was one of the most oh, bizarre ones. Oh man! And then no, it's it, it gets even worse though. When when my mom was learning to drive, she had a little sister. She had two, but um, one of them was driving with her in this car. <laughs> At random times, the door would fall off. <laughs> And oh so, shit, there goes the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was driving one time and and uh, her sister my aunt uh, fell out of the car because <laughs> <laughs> because the door fell off. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's so terrible. um <laughs> No, um but it it also, you know, he did get pulled over um a lot and he got arrested a few times just because he matched the description of middle-aged white man approximately this weight and this height um he matched that description in addition he drove old cars yeah Mm -hmm. now maybe my grandfather was not the most law-abiding citizen (laughs) um but that does not justify an unequal application of the law yeah um so so yeah you know um personally um you know my parents both are college educated out the wazoo they have degrees yeah um and and i grew up um very comfortably suburbanite Mm -hmm. you know i did the little league thing travel whatever um all of that but having that side of my family um kind of understanding it from that yes that perspective yeah. Yeah. yeah i would say that that's what was really the biggest proponent for me um was the socioeconomic inequality? Uh, yes, at first, you know. Um, oh, Tanner says I gotta I gotta tell the story. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he said, um, and she steals my my sour patch kids. So <laughs> um, my dad and I always like go to the gym, oh, right? Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we yeah. went to the gym. I didn't gym. know what he meant by that. But no, yeah. yeah. And so we went to the gym, um, and my mom came with us every now and again. We started getting her more regularly. When we would, um, when I started doing kettlebells class, right? <laughs> but she was in there one time, um, and she was looking for my dad's bag, right? Um, but she didn't know which bags were ours and which were the rest of like the gym crew. And so at that point, Tanner was like one of the gym rats that always lifted there. And so she just starts digging through his bag, right? <laughs> just Tanner's bag. And um, the the funniest part though is Tanner sees it. And just watching her. And she doesn't do anything. <laughs> and so she, like, digs through his bag. She's looking for something. She sees this bag of Sour Patch Kids. And she's like, oh! <laughs> like, at that moment, she realized, shoot. This is not the right bag. This isn't my husband's. He wouldn't have Sour Patch Kids. And uh, she, like, put it down all panicky and looked back. And Tanner was watching her. And she saw it. She was like, oh, was that, was that yours? And he's like, yeah, did you need something? <laughs> It's just like calm, relaxed, whatever. Didn't even blink. He's like, yeah, I just figured, you know, she was looking for something. It's just Luke's mom, so it's whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was funny back in high school. <laughs> we'll still make fun of my mom for it. So there's um, something and kind of the last bit and where I wanted to land tonight. Tonight, um, well, I guess well, it is, is tonight. Yeah. We are doing this a little bit later. Uh, I had finals this week. Um, this week, it's Tuesday. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's been a long two days. (laughs) But so I guess um, what I wanted to bring up, though, is oftentimes um, black black people will talk about their experiences with uh, inequality, discrimination, racism, um, and the, the, the... it's easy for other people to write off and say, okay, you had one bad experience with white people, and that sucks, but putting it to um, systemic racism or discrimination as a larger issue is unfair um, as a whole. Mm-hmm. So how do we legitimize uh, the experiences of black people um, in talking about discrimination? like? Um, you know, even talking about um, the the rise in um, coverage of police brutality, uh, people say that oh, you know that's one bad cop, or that's a few bad cops here and there. But by and large, um, I guess my question is: Does it speak to a larger truth? How can we know that, and how can we communicate that in such a way? that it's valuable for people to um, understand it. Hmm. I'm basically asking That's the you, kicker, right? you to, want to solve, solve racism. Solve racism <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> no, but well. <laughs> if you have a few thoughts though. I mean, just like from my own experience, like like you said like this is this isn't just like a case by case thing, like it's a whole systematic thing like in our society like Why do you, why do you say that? Because just based off my own experiences, like, so I have an Afro right now, right? Only four states have a law that says, like, they can't discriminate against me for having an Afro. And that's only in California. For uh, uh, getting a job. For getting a job, yes. That's big important. Um, only It's like California, Montana, New York, and one other state. Wyoming, maybe. If, if anybody I, listens to Fat Boy Slim, don't let the man get you down is what that makes me think of. (laughs) (laughs) But if I tried to get a job in Indiana, like, I can be denied for having my natural hair out right now, and, like, I couldn't even fight it. Or I could fight it, but, like... So, so with that, a little bit of uh, pushback, if I come and I am obviously ungroomed, and they don't hire me because I am, um, let's say, uh, you're dating Shaggy over here, right? Yep. I, I'm pointing at Lucas. Yep. Um, his beard is untrimmed. His hair scraggly. is long. He's scraggly. Um, he's the discount Dan Green. Um, if we say, okay, I don't want somebody like that representing somebody who's ungroomed, mm-hmm. how do you respond to that? Um, and say that this is different than just expecting a certain level of, of presentation from your employees. But I guess I don't think an afro would be considered ungroomed, considering that's, like, my natural hair, though. Does that make sense? Because, like, this is my natural curl pattern. Like, I can't change that unless I do something chemically to my hair to make it straighter, you know? So, like... But do you think, uh, depending on what kind of job it is, dictates that so say uh you're working in a in a wood shop right you can't you're not supposed to wear any baggy clothing did you uh, work in a wood shop no but i know this um <laughs> you're not supposed to wear any baggy clothing because that it was some pregnant yeah. silence right there <laughs> did you work in a wood shop no <laughs> um but you can't wear you're not supposed to wear any baggy clothing because if you do it has the possibility of getting caught in uh what's called a lathe which is basically a big spinning thing that basically shaves off uh, the surface of a, yeah. of a piece of wood. So and drag it in there and... Dra- yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, do you think that uh, a kind of a job like that would dictate like the, um, I guess, the standard of, I guess, just presentation uh, uh, care, I guess. I don't know. Like that what, affects like, a- how you can wear your hair. In the same way, it affects, like, what you can wear to work. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's a much larger question, is how much does appearance play mm-hmm. um, in job placement, and mm-hmm. how much is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even if I didn't have an afro, though, like, I wear my hair in braids and stuff, too. So I guess, like, 
the acceptable hairstyle would be for me to straighten my hair. But personally, I don't straighten my hair because it damages my hair and it loses its natural curl pattern. No, it's really bad, yeah. Yeah, so I prefer not to. So I guess, like, could they still discriminate against me if I wanted to wear my natural hair and that's considered what's it, inappropriate or, like, not proper for the workplace? Though? Not proper for the workplace. Yeah. Someone we don't want representing our company. Exactly. Is the natural black hair. Do you think that speaks to not just what they're allowed to do, but a larger prejudice um, against what is, uh, honestly, to use your mom's language, proper. Yeah. Um, I think we too often equate proper with um, normalized by the conquistadors, honestly. Um, You know, what is proper, but what the empire has told us um, (laughs) is proper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... um, off of that, um, talking about legitimizing the experiences of black people, um, how do we do that? How do how do we go from a point of saying this is a few bad experiences to this is systemic and this needs changed? I mean, I think we're doing a pretty good job of like making it more known in the media. Right, uh, but how? What's working? Honestly, like, it's getting out there, but I don't think anything's necessarily working because nothing has changed. Like, even with George Floyd, like, yes, like, the police officer got arrested, but what about all the other ones who still... Well, there have been claims to, um, to have a bill in the works in Congress that would reform our police system. So, um, I will say that there might be reform on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, how... What kind of time frame is reasonable to expect, in your opinion? For my hopes, would be within the next few years. What What kind of change would you see? Police reform, hopefully. What kind of reform? So, Biden's plan would be to have a social worker with a police officer. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, but I think it needs to be more than just a social worker. So maybe more training, de-escalation training, conflict yep. resolution, stuff like that. I definitely think police officers need more training. I think there needs to be more screening of, do you have biases towards black people? And not just a, no, okay, you're good. But, like, just more in-depth training, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's the reason why when you see a black person, they just stop and shoot instead of just, like, reasoning with them. Like, there's just too much. <laughs> and I think... Not even just police systems, but just, like, systems in general, like, educational systems. Like, that has to do with socioeconomics, but, like, most black kids grow up in communities where they don't have good education. Right. Because of the communities they grow up in, most of, like, most of them don't grow up in diverse communities because they're categorized in these certain areas. Right. And so, um, yeah. with that, too, um, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Tanner just said, should there be cultural training uh, for the police? Absolutely. For sure. Um, cops are taught the social norms of different structures. But what I wanted to bring up was um, physical therapy used to be a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now a doctoral program. Yep. The, uh, the fact of the matter is we realized that PTs were doing a lot more than was appropriate for a master's degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah there was a, a much larger responsibility to our patients. Yep. Um, both for their well-being and our ability to um, interact and treat them, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, with that larger responsibility came more education. And so I think if it's appropriate for the physical therapy to be moved from a master's to a DPT, I think it is appropriate to ask for more training for our police officers if they have more responsibility than than what it seems to be. Um, And if you're not going to provide that more education, then broaden the scope of who can... Broaden the uh, scope of your law enforcement. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Then we need more osteopathic um, trained doctors if you're not going to give a a doctor physical therapy. Mm -hmm. there There were only a few routes there. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to say there. Now, I, I had a few closing thoughts um, about uh, the black experience. Um, I think our biases um, 
our prejudices, the discrimination that we see. It's one thing if one person has a few stories. Mm -hmm. It's another if a few hundred people have a few stories. Um, But if it is normalized all the way through the culture, um, and again, I'm still on this talk proper thing. I just, I don't like it. Um, If it is normalized to talk proper or to drive the speed limit or to do this, this, and this, um, I think that's, you know, because it's not just a few, but because this is an experience that's um, so widespread to every black person, like it yeah. impacts every black person, Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And so it's not just hearing uh, a few good speakers here and there, right. but it's talking to everybody about their experiences, um, but in a situation where you know, they're comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. um, too. I mean, you can't just corner a black person and say, hey. Tell me what white people have done to you. You mm-hmm. meet any racists lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have someone, like, at my ice cream job, right after, like, all the protests were happening, they approached me, and they were just like, I just want to say I'm so sorry for us white people. Like, whenever you have time, just tell me about your experience. And so, I was like, ah, okay. Let's, I, let's I don't have time. Much. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Never. Uh, Tanner just said in podcast send off, choose love over hate. In the end, we all look the same, buried six feet deep. Oh, don't. Yeah, tell that to the Egyptian pharaohs, dude. <laughs> the giant fucking pyramids. Oh my god. Yeah, um, good one. Idiot. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Just bullying Tanner. He's not even here, and we're bullying him. Oh. Um. So so what I will say though is um. Because the experiences are so widespread, Mm -hmm. um, the most important thing that anybody can do is um, honestly meet uh, meet people from different cultures and different backgrounds. Um, The enemy that we don't know is the one that's easy to hate, but once we humanize um, other humans, uh, it's a lot harder to hate them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If somebody becomes more than a caricature... Yeah, um, step outside of yourself. Yeah, there are good parts and bad parts um, to every person. Then we start to realize that we're a lot more alike than we like to think. Yeah. Um, Even with the differences in our backgrounds, the differences in the way we look, even the differences in our worldviews and belief systems... Um, yeah. Those differences are not something to be worked through, but um, noticed, appreciated, and and at least talked about. Uh, so yeah. I, I appreciate having you guys on. Um, Thanks for just having me. Talking about <laughs> what it's like to be an interracial couple. Wow, this was a lot more serious of an episode than it has been Sorry. recently. Uh, I mean, it's a cynical comment. Uh, uh, comment. Joke. No, I think racism, honestly, if if anything that we talk about is moving in a positive direction, <laughs> it's, <this. laughs> it's, it's going to be this one, you know? Because, like, we can't we yeah. couldn't end the environmentalism like this. No. <laughs> we Who's going to watch documentaries? <laughs> the people who yeah. care. Um, no, we will have Gail back on um, at some point, but... Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, Into the Rainbow listeners. Send us an email at intotherainbow1927 at gmail.com. We love you. Have a great day, night, or something else. Bye. Enjoy.